Hey, welcome back to Opposites in a Nutshell. I'm Shay. Um, so last week was intense, <laughs> to say the very least. Um, for those of you that didn't catch last week's episode, we actually had one of my exes come on and we just had a conversation. Um, it did get pretty intense at points. It was a very deep discussion, um, very vulnerable, which um, I'm proud of both of us for. Um, cause it's not easy being that vulnerable and open on a public platform, but Hey, we did it. We got through it, but, um, that episode was actually recorded a month and a half ago. Um, so we're going to have some sort of update for you guys here in the next coming weeks. But in the meantime, today we have a very special episode with a very special guest. Her name is Princessia and, um, she's going to share her experience of growing up in a foreign country. Um, I think there's a lot that you can learn from this episode because I know there's a lot of things that she said that were new to me and um, it was very cool getting to kind of hear her experience and just kind of broadening our worldview based on some of the things she said. So stick around as we talk about Princessia's experience of growing up in a foreign country. Welcome back to Opposites in a Nutshell. I'm Shay. And I'm Jasmine. And we are doing a very special episode today. We're going to be talking about the experience of someone growing up in a country that's foreign to the country that they were born in. So today we have a very special guest. Yes, today I have one of my best friends on the podcast. Y'all, it must be a me thing because Princessy and I, my best, one of my other best friends, we also became instant friends. Um, P, I don't know if you remember, but it was, we met on a Thursday night at church group. And then by Saturday, we were at each other's houses. And y'all, I kid you not, by the very next week, we were leading a ministry together. Our kids became instant friends. <laughs> it was just bam, bam, bam. Um, I mean, I think that says a lot about who she is. She's just an amazing person. Um, and it's a God thing. And Thank you for dealing with me and all my silliness. Um, because four years later and all the roller coaster rides that we've been through together, you're still rocking with me. So thank you. Um, but yeah, she's Francesca is our guest on the podcast today. Um, graduate of the prestigious Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Very nice. Uh, she volunteers in prison ministry. She's also a small group leader. She's the amazing mother of a really smart little little girl. Um, she has a huge heart for people, and uh, what am I missing? She's she's single, fellas. So, <laughs> yeah, take place and keep watching and take a number, okay? Okay, let's go. We we should have warned you that that tends to happen. One thing Jasmine's gonna do is she's gonna make sure her friends are taken care of. <laughs> Every opportunity, she's like, but did you know she's single? <laughs> But welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. We're so happy to have you here today. And I think it's going to be a very um, exciting episode to kind of talk through. Um, I know that's one thing you and I have in common. We're both Africans that moved here um, and just kind of went through that, that transition of, you know, living in a foreign country, you know. So um, I guess tell us a little bit about yourself, like your family background. Um, yeah, just anything you want to share with us. Well, I came here around when I was around four or five years old. We actually came in right during the time of um, the genocide back in Burundi, Rwanda. Wow. Um, so I came when I was four or five. Um, and 
there's a lot of glimpses of my child that I don't remember, and I feel like sometimes it's like a protection of God, um, not wanting me to uh, remember a lot of stuff, because even till now, my mom still talks about it as if it was like it was today. Mm-hmm. Um, but came when I was four or five, um, I still got a picture of me in second grade in my African outfit, my bald head. Because when I'm back home, everyone is bald. So yeah. you can't tell the difference between a boy and girl. Um, but then, of course, I go to ESL classes. Um, because my mom worked a lot, of, worked a lot. I lost uh, my language. So I used to speak French, um, Swahili, Kirundi, I'm wow. trying to name language. Um, and then my brother was born here in Fort Worth, and here I am. Wow. Dirty, so. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm glad. Okay, so this is going to be another interesting thing because even though we're both Africans, um, and I think this is something that is important to mention to people, Africa is a continent. There's many different countries in that continent, and a lot of the different countries have different cultures. So, yes, there's some things that are like underlying similarities, but there's also other things where for you that might be common in your culture for them to do that, while as for me that may not be the case or vice versa. So I think um, I I'm and I'm pretty sure you're the same way, but I'm very passionate about like talking about, you know, to Zambia, talking about Africa as a whole, because I feel like people have a certain idea of what it is, you know. So, yeah, so I, I'm very excited to kind of learn more about that. Yeah, because when you said uh, having short hair in Zambia, there, there are some people that do that, but it's not. I don't want to speak on behalf of the whole country, but. As far as, like, to my knowledge, it's not a lot of, it's not, like, the main thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah, that's, that's, wow, that's crazy. So you said four or five years old was when you moved here? Man. Wow. Can you, okay, so for, for me and for all of our listeners, can you give a little bit of background? I don't, I didn't know that there was a war uh, in Burundi, and I know how old you are, so I'm thinking back to, like, 25 to 35 years ago, I didn't know that there was a war, but, you know, I mean, it's something that I've never learned about. Is, of course. is there anything that you want to share about that? Like, what what was going on? Because I feel like there was a movie that came out, Rwanda. Rwanda. And so when I'm watching the movie as a 13-year-old, but that's what your family was living through. Wow. Yeah. So, it's it's kind of, it's interesting because I'm also still learning um, what actually happened because, uh, of course, parents want to keep certain things together because it's such a um, sad and um, hard, darkest moment. But it's between Hutu and Tutsis, um, and literally it's just based on the different differentiation of the face. Um, wow. It's the same people, just different of the face. Um, and, again, I'm not going to go deep into it because I don't have... The full knowledge. Right. I never want to give out something that I'm not, um, right. that I don't 100. percent But I'm just kind of listening to my mom and my dad's side. Um, thankfully, we were able to get our lottery. Now, people think lottery here in U.S. is like you're winning money. Yeah. The lottery back home is actually trying to come back, come to the state, trying to seek refuge away from um, where you're coming from. So thankfully, we got the lottery just in time. Um, and it's interesting because I actually have a scar from. Um, a lot of people ask me the scar on my leg. It's yeah. actually from as we were leaving. I got cut by one of the one of the people. Oh the my course. gosh! So, um, yeah. So I never knew that. Yeah. It's even till now. A lot of people are still. They still do memorial memorials every yeah. year for Hotel Rwanda because 
it's still an ongoing issue, but it's not as in debt. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't want to speak too much because I don't want to give out the wrong right. as well. So that is wild yeah. because you know a lot of times like especially with that like we watched hotel rwanda where it feels like it's something that was so far away such like in history distant like we're distanced from it but like literally you lived some of that you know especially just through that experience of trying to leave the country wow what what do you remember about when you first got here again it's still like little small right time, so i remember um, having still having the African attire, um, going to ESL classes because um, we came to Arlington. Arlington is, was our main city in yeah. Texas, so we grew up there, and now we're in Grand Prairie. But just kind of again, I wish sometimes I'm like Lord, like give me some some memories that yeah. I don't have because you know in America you have they do childhood books, right? Not not all of us have that. Right. And sometimes I'm like, man, I, I wish my parents did, but they were just trying to survive, right? And get us to a place of safety. So mm -hmm. I just remember ESL classes still having the same um, clothing as back home, um, and just kind of living through my mom's um, journey. Yeah. So, wow, that's crazy. Um, my transition here, not anything like that. <laughs> but um, we, so we actually moved here when um, I was ten, and. Um, yeah, so I was 10 years old and my mom was wanting to go to Bible school and that's what brought us here. Now, my dad had gone to the same Bible school back in the 80s. So, like, this area wasn't foreign to him. It, you know, he was, he was moving back for him. Um, so that's how we ended up coming to the country from Zambia. And um, being that I was a little older, I do, I have more memories of, like, that transition, like, when we first came here. Like, one of the culture shock moments for me was... I have always spoken English, so English was my first language. But me moving here from Africa, there were people that, like I had a teacher that was telling me I had to take ESL classes. And um, that teacher actually had her three years after living here. And when she found out I was born in Zambia, she was like, oh, we need to get you an ESL. And I was like, help me understand. English as a second language, but that's my first language. I don't speak any other languages. Like, I understand uh, some of the local languages, but, like, in terms of, like, actually speaking fluently and stuff, it's always been English. And so, anyway, she, yeah, she really tried it with that one. She was like, oh, we need to get you an ESL. And I remember being like, no. Like, it doesn't make sense. And so, and this was, I can be a little cocky sometimes. So I remember making some comment of, <laughs> I make better grades than half the students in this class <laughs> in English class. So I don't know why you feel any, just that whole thing. But I feel like that kind of goes back to that idea where I was talking about where people have an idea of, okay, if you're coming from Africa, then this is the checklist of things that, you know, we need to look into. Like, we know that you're coming from Africa, so you don't speak English. Um, you're coming from Africa, so we're going to need to get you clothes. You're coming from Africa. And it's like all these different things. And it's like none of that is accurate, you know. Um, and in terms of like even things like people would ask me, like, um, what did you stay? Like, where did you live? Like, where did you sleep? Um, and I was like, in a house. Just like you. Just like this one. Ours was made of brick. These are made of wood. That's like the main difference. But like we were still in a house, you know, like, so I remember that was probably the hardest thing for me, like when transitioning from where I lived a life with people where everybody understood we were all like in the same, we grew up very similarly. So there wasn't a whole lot of things that I had to explain while well, as when we moved here, 
now I, I have, I'm like this walking book of knowledge of having to educate people on all these different things because it's like the media back in the day and probably even a little bit today um, just had these certain views of like, if we're talking about Africa, we're going to have the starving children who have no clothes, they're dirty, there's flies flying all over them. And that's Africa. And I was like, I never in a day, like never have I ever lived like that. So that's not my experience, you know? So I would say that was one of the major things was the whole, uh, you know, just trying to educate people at my young age of like, but that's not true, you know? Um, but I would say one of the biggest culture shocks when I arrived, like I said, I spoke English, but the English I spoke was not the same English that I found. So when we moved here, um, the school that my mom was going to um, was predominantly white. And then outside of the school, we were living in the hood. So it's like, it was like, you know, this little community, if you will. And then outside of that, we were like in the hood. So when I would go to school and stuff, the kids, one, Americans speak so fast. And because I've lived here so long, I also speak so fast, so I get it. So like, even when I go to visit Zambia, I always have to remind myself, slow down. Otherwise, they can't understand what you're saying. But um, I remember my first day of school, There was, it was sixth grade. These kids just, you know, grabbed me like, oh, new girl. They grabbed me and they're showing me around and trying to make me their new friend. Super sweet. I couldn't understand a word they were saying, though. They're like, hey, girl, how you doing? Come on here with me. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, like, the whole time I remember, um, they were after, it was one of those, like, after the fact, I knew what they were saying. But they were asking me things like, do you make good grades? Are you smart? Like, questions like that. I could not understand anything. So the whole time, like, if they ask a question, I would just kind of watch body language and like, oh, it looks like a question. And then, oh, that was another question. And then another question. I have no idea what these people are saying, but that was kind of my experience. So um, anyway, there's a lot more that can be said about that, but let's keep it pushing. <laughs> I was a bit on a shame too, because I don't know, um, was your country colonized by British? Yes. So there's British English and then there's different dialects in English. Yes. Yes. Right? And it's broken down to even English kids even more mm -hmm. complex once you get into US. So yes. it's different um yeah. So, yeah. But I mean the Queen's language came yes. first, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But um have you lived in any other countries outside of here? Uh, I did live in Belgium, uh, Brussels nice. for around two years. Um it was my mom was dating somebody back then. Um, in Brussels, and but um, it was a great experience because I got to experience that side of um, Europe as well, mm -hmm. um, and the culture of Europe, Europe as well. Um, but again, that was probably around probably 10, 11 years old. Yeah. Um, so I just remember having a great time over there, um, and I really thought we were going to move there and have a life there, but of course life has its um, different paths, so. Yeah, lived in um, Brussels and then New Jersey just for a little bit, and then mostly in Texas. Nice, cool. Did do you think living in Brussels that you did you pick up anything there that shaped who you are now, or at least I mean, at 10, 11 years old, those are pivotal years. Did you pick up some things that you brought back and became your style or something? Not really, because again, um, like other than learning French, because I went to a French school. Um, and my French was actually getting better if I would have stayed there a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, just learning the different mannerism of European, mm -hmm. um, 
But even now, I'm still, as I'm getting older, I'm trying to reclaim my identity as an African and all the different um, things, all the labels that I'm holding on to the culture. So nothing really stuck to me, but it's glimpse, it's good memories that I'm getting out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And Shay, you have, you've lived in another country as well, right? I have. So my parents were missionaries, so we lived in Scotland for two years. But I was like two years old, so I remember nothing, but I got pictures to prove it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so we lived there for about two years and then moved back to Zambia and then we moved here. And then at some point moved back to Zambia and then like moved back again here. I'm here for now. To, we'll see. I, it's hard to say I'm here to stay because I just don't know what the future holds. Like it's easy. One thing I learned like back when my family and I moved to Zambia is and as much and this was another reminder in 2020 and as much as i i'm very much a planner i love to plan out my life i have a five-year plan 10-year plan this is my retirement plan y'all i'm in my 30s why am i thinking about retirement it doesn't matter but my point is like i just i'm a planner and so 2013 um that was the year that my family my parents decided to move back to zambia um to like relocate settle down there and just you know retire there and so my siblings and I decided, well, while they're doing that, we can go ahead and move with them to kind of help uh, get things situated in terms of um, get things situated in terms of like there was a church there. Um, they were starting a preschool and just kind of helping out with all that stuff. So my siblings and I took a break from school, like from college, and we moved to Zambia. And so, um, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, we we got to live there as adults. And I'm glad we had that experience because a lot of the memories that I had of Zambia were from like a perspective of like under 10 years old. And I had like a handful of memories. So like, there's so many things that I just don't remember from living there. Um, I remember, like I could count on two hands how many memories I have from like my childhood in Zambia. And so, yeah, so we did live in Scotland and then back and forth ping pong, America, Zambia. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, I have, a, I have, friends in several different countries, and I, I tend to ask them, do you have an experience of going through the process of becoming a citizen that people don't know? Oh, well, I had to, because like, I, I grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag, the Texas flag, um, singing, you know, all the songs that we sing that are national, I guess they're national, they're national songs, mm -hmm. Star Spangled Banner, like all of that was... And then, you know, learning residents and all that stuff that you need to pass fifth grade and the test. Um, but did you have to go through all of that and learn all of that? Was it difficult? You had to, you know, take citizenship tests? Because I've heard that the test is difficult um, and that you just never, even though you learn it, you never feel like it becomes your own. Like you're just learning it to pass tests. Yeah, I can. I can relate. I think we're gonna. That's like 80% of the people that went to college. It's like I learned this for the semester. Once it's done, it's gone. <laughs> but um, yeah, do either of y'all have an experience of becoming or the path to citizenship? What was that like? Oh, so uh, me and my mom became citizen together in 2019. Um, so. Based on my regulation, regulation of what my mom has told me is a lot of times you have to have the means and the money. And then also if they lose your paperwork, it starts the process all over again. 
So you really hope that, so oh, we've wow. had to repeat the process several times wow. because we came here in nine, so 2000, when I was five. So imagine all those years. So I'm going through um, secondary school, I'm going to high school and college. And then 2019 was probably two years after, um, two, two years after high school, that's when I became into a citizen. Um, like you said, we just, Thankfully, I already had the foundation because I went to school here. Mm -hmm. So just easy, hey, A, B, C, just memorize the, the known um, answers. And thankfully, we passed our first chance and became a citizen. Yeah. So that was a blessing in disguise because then it opened up more doors um, for us. So. Yeah. Opened um, up more doors in terms of like, jobs? Uh, or? So going to school, financial aid. Um, oh, that's, so that's a big one, too. Um, yeah. If I want to... Because because I did criminal justice, I opens up door working for federal government. Because as you want to work for a government, you have to be a citizen. Mm. So like little things like that. Yeah. Wow. So so that's okay. That's a good point because you you went to Texas schools, elementary, mm -hmm. middle school, high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I, I honestly had people tell me like you wouldn't you wouldn't even pass it because it's it's they're like Jasmine, it's a hard test. Is like, you know, the things that I, if I had to take it as an adult, these are things that I learned as a 10 year old, right. I wouldn't know those answers. Mm -hmm. Who was the third president of the United States? I don't know. I know Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, I have heard that it's a difficult test. And for y'all, for you, you and your mom to pass on the first try, her being an adult, and then, of course, you being dang near an adult, 17, 18, 19 years old, nigga. There's study guides too. I mean, you just have to memorize the answers. But yes, again, depends on the person and their level of knowledge and actually just practicing. But it can be difficult. Wow. And do you have dual? That was the other question. Do you have dual citizenship? I wish. I let mine go. Looking back now, I wish I could have kept it, but it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Could you get it back? Is it not? Is it an easy thing because it's where you're from? You were born there. That's a that's something I'm looking into. I'll have to make money ends, but the good thing about being a U.S. citizen is it opens up doors. Just I just have to pay and send somebody back home to go to NBC and do all that paperwork. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's possible. Okay. With that being said, are there any things that you can think of that uh, that you want to add? I know Shay alluded to it a little bit, but that Americans don't understand either about you or just about Africa, the continent, like how beautiful it is, like in your memory, and you know, and you going back to visit and things like that, like, oh, people just, they're missing out because this is a beautiful country, it's beautiful people, it's amazing food. Like, what do you want to share with everyone about Burundi? So I did go back um, when I was 13. Um, so I know a little glimpse of that trip as well. Um, so I got to... Thankfully, um, again, we live in a brick house. There's a lot of people think everybody lives in mud houses, yes. but we live in a brick house and it's gated. Um, and just really, it gave me perspective. Um, and I wish I could go back once a year, which my mom goes every two years, because mm -hmm. um, that's the way for her to kind of relax and get away from the hustle and bustle here. Um, and just really getting perspective. So a lot of times people, when, when they talk about like the things on TV, I say, don't look at TV, just go visit. Yeah. Go visit with the right people because mm -hmm. you want to make sure that also you don't go to places. Okay. Um, so just um, I think the best reality check is just go visit the, the country. Um, it just gives you perspective because again, 
Um, I know for me, as I'm getting older, I have this like American mentality and then this African mentality slowly opening up, um, which my mom is probably like, yes, finally, you can see it. So, um, but yeah, it's just a beautiful place. And my mom goes every two years and she's able to zone out. She has maids, she has drivers, she enjoys life. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I can't wait to get on that level. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I, I will say the lifestyle there, I thoroughly enjoyed the time that I was living in Zambia. Because I moved back here, like living there, <laughs> this is crazy, but like low key, I feel like a rich woman because like you said, but that's the norm there is it's normal for like, you know, middle class and up to be able to have a maid that comes in, you know, cleans your house. Um, just the whole thing of like, we have gardeners, they, co- they come every, you know, Monday through Friday, they work to make sure the grounds are good. There's so much land that you're sitting on where it's like, you have your house, then there's a fence and you have all this land around the house, you know, where you can have a pretty garden or you can have just, a, you know, a bunch of flowers and like whatever, but like, it's so nice. And the stress of the whole thing of bills, that's just not the lifestyle there. And I think that was the biggest thing when I was moving back where I was like, dang, I wish I could take that with me. Because here it's like, um, one of the examples I usually tell people is there's this idea of if um, if someone in Zambia was, um, and it may be similar for you as well, but like if someone in Zambia was to lose their job, um, they could still be good for a few months before they reach a point where it's like, oh no, like I need to figure something out because bills are piling up because that's just not how things are set up there. So like, um, for example, the electricity is prepaid. So like you just put in your stuff. So if you know, like, Hey, money is a little tight. Let's just be more, uh, be more wise about like, how often are we leaving lights on? Like how many lights are we leaving on just to kind of preserve that energy because it's prepaid. So you kind of have control over, it's not really like a monthly thing here where it's like, they watch how much you use it and then they're like, all right, here's your bill. Mm. So because it's prepaid, it's like, you could make that stretch a little longer without having to worry about paying it monthly. And then there's things like, I remember, I'm trying to remember what bills we actually had. I know we were paying rent. Um, we were paying, let's see, we had, we were paying rent. Uh, our electricity was prepaid. Water, we had like a water tank outside of our home. So we never used the city water, meaning that nice. the water was kind of free, you know? And so it's like all the different utilities you can think of that we typically have to pay a lot of it is either prepaid or you have your own resources type of thing. So like, it just makes life so much easier. And then on top of that, even with rent, they don't do monthly rent. So like whenever you're going to rent a place, it's minimum three months. So meaning if I, you know, rent this place for the next three months or six months or whatever, and I lose my job in month two or three, I don't have to stress out about it because I know my, my rent's already covered for the next four months. And then, like I said, everything's prepaid. So all that stuff, just be more wise about how we're using it and less stress. While it's here, you dare lose your job. It does not matter. They will be calling you. They'll be emailing you. It gets to a point where if they can't get a hold of you, they start calling your job. Just like all these different things. And the whole time, (laughs) it's like, how do you even have their number? You know, but like, it's just so much stress that comes from that. So that's one of the things that I would say. I can really appreciate is like the lifestyle that they live. And I think that's why a lot of people there are also more like just a lot less stressed out than we are, you know, and the lifestyle is also a lot slower. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool. If we could bring some of that here, that'd be great. But I know it's all about the money. So it's not going to happen. 
Every time my mom comes back mad because she just has this. She has a glow. Like eye bags of sleep. Yeah. She's like, okay. I'm like, um, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I already know as some of my Zambian friends are watching this episode, people are going to be hitting me in the DMs. So when you move moving back. <laughs> now we're keeping our hands. <laughs> Can't leave me again. Don't leave me again. Please. <laughs> yeah. We can go to visit, but you got to come back. That's cool, though. I mean, that's. I'm all, I mean, I'm from here, but even mm-hmm. I'm just like, sometimes I'm daring the headlights like, this is just too much. I yeah. mean, I, we, we live in a major metropolitan area. There's traffic for days, traffic all times of the day, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, just all day long. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> I just want to go somewhere and relax. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's it. And they got names too. So while you're enjoying life, yeah, Rose would be taken care of. Yeah, I guess I'm moving, y'all. Not her saying you can't leave me and then saying I'm moving. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Butler, gardener. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. Um. So with that, um, there's a there's other aspects of of um, being from a foreign country or a different country than where you currently live. Um, so a little bit somber, but I feel like there may be someone who's listening or watching that can take hold of the encouragement that I'm sure you're gonna share. Can you talk to us about maybe some of the struggles uh, or hard things that can happen when you are not from the United States of America and you're living here you're on a visa, you're, you know, you're going to school, you haven't gotten citizenship yet, and something happens. Um, can you share a little bit about that and maybe how that affected you growing up um, with having just a, a big life change like that happen? So with me, I haven't dealt with that struggle because um, by the time I got to college, I was um, a citizen, so I had the means of financial aid, etc. Now we're going to Liberty University. It's it's a um, it's a bubble but full of foreigners, right? So I got to meet people from different um, different countries. They were on student visa, so they didn't have the funds of the sponsor, and they lost it. I mean, they had to go yeah. back. For me, I didn't. I had the privilege to stay, you know. So I can't really talk much about the challenges because I didn't have no challenge. Yeah. Because I was already set, and that was um, and I was grateful for that. So um, fortunately, I can't speak on that, but I. I can't even imagine knowing that once your sponsor is gone, you don't have means, you're going back to your home country. It's a whole thing because I know for, there's some people that I know that have had to go through that process of, you know, it's it's a long process. I don't know all the different things that go into it because once again, kind of like you, that wasn't necessarily my experience, but this is more so like hearing from other people that I know of like situations that they've gone through where before they can even come, there needs to be like a guaranteed set amount of money that is showing up in the bank account to say, hey, if they're going to be there going to school and all of this, this money is here to be able to support them living here. And so it's like now I would hear all these different situations of people like I have everything I'm ready to go, but we don't have enough money in the bank account for them to be able to approve me. And it's like not really like I'm concerned about like whenever I come there, like I'm not going to be able to afford things like we already have a game plan. I'm going to be taken care of on all that. But we just don't meet that specific number that they've given us. We need to be able to have in the bank account. 
So it's like just a lot of things where you have like families trying to rally together, everybody throwing money into this bank account so that they can be able to send their loved one to school because it's like we know they're good for it and they have the money and the means to be able to take care of themselves. But that amount that they're looking at, like this is the amount that I need to live is not the same amount of money that the government says. This is the amount that we need you to have in order to live. Yeah. Yeah. So like I know that's that's a part of it that I've heard from like different people's um, circumstances and stuff. And then I know also like um, there's the whole thing of in as much as, you know, I've lived here pretty much like the majority of my life I've lived here. But um, I got to see a lot of different things. Like I know um, a couple of people that ended up getting deported because they ended up overstaying their visa. Or I know some people that um, it's like when you're in that situation, you have to be very careful about how you handle yourself, because especially, and I think this was something that was really important for like, you know, international kids to understand is like, yes, you can have all these different American friends and stuff. If they're doing stupid things, that's their business. You don't have that privilege of being able to do stupid things because if you do something stupid, they maybe get a slap on the wrist, they get to go home. You may be going home home as in like, we got to send you back. There's so many different things that I feel like people are just so unaware of that kind of happen in the world of like being an international person living in the United States. I'm glad that you said that because I definitely had some friends that I was just, but why? Why can't you come yeah. to my house? Why can't we go here? Why can't yeah. we do this? And there's some cultural differences that I didn't really understand um, well, why, why aren't you applying to college? Like, come on, we all yeah. go to college, right? But, you know, visa status, money, and things like that, yeah. um, that I didn't really understand as a teenager. I just was like, oh, why not? Yeah. Let's just do it. But then again, that's just my life. Why not? Let's do it. That's all you say. Come on. Um, but yeah, that, that's good. That's, that's really good. Uh, there's been, you know, news stories and um, different things like that that come up. And I try to be, you know, like really understanding and trying to understand like what's actually happening. But um, some things I just I really don't. I think was it two years ago that uh, here in Dallas there was a lot of children that were coming without their parents um, from South American countries. Um, they didn't have their parents, and and uh, it became a big thing here in Texas. Like why? Why are the children here? Send them back and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, just, hey, people are looking for the American dream and safety and protection and freedom. Um, freedom as women running from dangerous places where women are not respected or well cared, cared for, education purposes where I, I need to go to college and do better with my life. And when I worked at the university, uh, because I was in the engineering department, I saw a lot of people that that was their story. They would talk to me like, no, I have to graduate on time. And, you know, I need to I need to get this job immediately so I can start sending money back. Just different things that they were talking about that I I was like, that is not my life. Yeah. You know, that I, I could barely understand it. But I was trying to listen and relate and understand to like, I am very privileged. I am very privileged. Yeah. Um, and Americans, of course, we think that we're better than everyone else. Like, like, that's the thing. But no, I actually realized I'm very privileged to have all that I have started from the bottom. I, don't, I didn't have to take citizenship tests. Yeah. I just took the um, basic like SAT and ACT and got into college, no worries. Yeah, I can go wherever I want. I have my U.S. passport. I can go wherever I want and come mm-hmm. back. 
And if I get stuck somewhere, I'm hoping that somebody will come get me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Joe Byron, <laughs> come send your people. Please come get me. <laughs> I don't mind. But that is one of my fears. That is one of my fears about going somewhere and not getting back. Yeah. Um, like if I lose a password or something. And they rely, like, especially if I'm, I have thought about this. Like if I'm in an African, in an African country and they're like, no, mm, you look like that. You, you belong. No, I just belong. <laughs> I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go That's really funny. No, it's not a fear of mine, but eventually I'm going to get across there. Um, also, that, that's not how they run things, so you don't have to worry about them kidnapping you because they're like, now I don't you, know that, though. You look like you're one of us. You, you're staying. I don't know. I'm telling you. <laughs> what if I can't find my passport? What if they don't know? What they that's know? what the embassy's there for. Oh. They've already thought of it, like, yeah. all this stuff before. Okay. Yeah, so you don't, you're not the well, first person. So I can go and just live my life. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I think another another thing that I do want to point out is because I feel like when we have conversations like this, a lot of times people have this view kind of going back to like what Africa is versus what it's not. But a lot of people have this view of like, oh, no, it must be like really bad because everybody's trying to leave there. That's not the case. Everybody has different dreams. Another thing that I think is interesting or like worth mentioning is there's a lot of people from here that go to the African countries maybe for a mission trip or whatever it is, and they're like, this is amazing, I don't want to go back. So, you know, then you hear the, the similar stories, except on the flip side, where now they're trying to become citizens or just get permanent residency in these African countries, but they're having to go through all these hoops, and it's like, I don't want to get deported. And it's like, well, this is like a little trippy, because <laughs> typically it's the other way around. <laughs> you know, but like, that is a thing. So um, I just really wanted to make sure I mentioned that just because, yeah, it, it like, it, it really is. I know I live here, but like, I still very much have a lot of love for Zambia. Obviously I lived there as an adult and I loved it. I considered moving back for a while, until yeah i mean like i said at the beginning of this podcast i'm here for now we don't know what the future holds so i'm not even going to put any like things in place of uh, i'm here forever or i'm going back we don't know only god knows at this point so yeah but i i just thought it would be a good thing to add on of like yeah i think the pandemic would y'all agree i think the pandemic the expat life the pandemic really i shouldn't say just the pandemic but the pandemic, the um, racial unrest in this country for people of color, I have I have met and I know a lot of people that just got out of here. Like, I'm not doing it anymore. Um, this is dangerous, <laughs> right? Like, get your husband, get your brother, get your uncle, get them out of here. Yeah. Because other countries treat black people differently. And why not? Let's just go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, to just anywhere else besides here. Because America is not all that great as what people feel like. These are their saying. Right. You know, I don't want to be here. When there's other places where I can go and feel included and feel safe. Yeah. I mean, for me, that wasn't the case. I just love living in other places. But um, pandemic was a great time for that. Like, I, 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 I missed my window. I had a perfect window of time where I'd, if I'd taken that window, my plan was I was going to move to a South American country. Um, I persuaded her not to, guys. I was not about to lose my best friend. She, yes, she. <laughs> I'm not going to say she was a big part of that decision, but she really did try, and she was very happy to hear that I wasn't moving. But I was like, look, I can just, you know, move to Peru for six months until 
my visa is no good, then I come back. And then if I want to go back, go right back, you know, or however long it is. But um, yeah, that was like a good time to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And especially because, you know, like obviously living here, this isn't where I was born. I grew up, I spent at least like eight years of my life, I suppose, in Zambia, seven to eight years. Or I should say six to eight. The math is confusing. But six to eight years of my life was spent in Zambia. And then like the majority of my life was spent here. Um, and so it's like... I already experienced that big move once. What more doing another one? I mean, right now it's like, I don't have a family I have to worry about. I don't have a husband I have to worry about. Like this is this is prime time because this is not gonna be my forever, you know? So like, while I'm in this situation, what better time than to just up and leave? But I miss my window. Oh, there's my trusted there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if another window pops up, all I'm saying is if I'm not married by a certain time, best believe I'm, I'm taking a trip. You might as well. I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And I'll be back it's after. Huge, huge earth. Yeah. And get to learn some Spanish. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm fluent in Spanish. Should I come back? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Muy <laughs> bien. Okay. You're going to move on to um i think this will be fun to talk about too so i had a i had a i was curious and we may have talked about this shay so i'm going to direct this a little bit more to princessia what are some cultural like really fun cultural things uh that you do or that come out like in your dancing or um some of the things that you watch or wear that remind you of back home like what are some things uh, in your life that you're doing now well, um, so a few years ago, we used to have African parties, and that's when I was younger. I didn't have my driver's license up, so we were stuck at the parties. Looking back now, before, I used to be so annoyed, because they would party from sun up to sun down. <laughs> oh but looking back now, I miss it, because yeah. now there's a lot of division. Um, so now I'm trying to, it's been a while since I've actually worn an African dress, uh, but it kind of feels, it feels good. Um, and also, too, now that I have my daughter, I want to make sure that she doesn't lose her roots because she, mm-hmm. her dad's side is Nigerian. Mm-hmm. So we have Nigerian, we have my dad is Congo, my mom is Burundi, and then American. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a lot of strong um, cultures that now I'm trying to relive and also reclaim so that I, when she becomes 30, she's not trying to figure out who am I. She's going to be living every moment yeah. of it. So that's um, awesome. So now I'm just like, okay, I'm trying to embrace everything. So I just miss the, the culture, um, the, the gatherness. Um, so there's been so much division. And I don't know, in your, in your um, country here, um, if you have a lot of people from Zambia, but we used to be so close. Um, but unfortunately, it's kind of diverse. It's kind of divided. So mm-hmm. now I'm looking back. Man, I wish we can have those parties again. I don't yeah. mind staying up. I'm like looking at Uncle and Auntie, like, Mom, we're going to go home. But now I'm like, you know what? I don't care when we go home. I miss that community. Yeah. So you should start something. I mean, bring it back. Bring it bring it to Dallas-Fort Worth and just, you know, mm-hmm. call it the Burundi Social and, know. you know, 30-plus, 30, 30 and up, or family-friendly. And, right. yeah, you can, on a, one Saturday a month yeah. or something. I don't know how you do it, but... Mm-hmm. That wouldn't like that seems like that would be cool. Yeah, there's some um, spots I can. There's different like African spots that we can probably do that. Yeah, so start it up. Y'all heard it right here. Heard it first. Heard it first on 
and you can imagine and listen i should have worn it today that's what i should have done but the one i wore it is not only is it an african outfit it is a loud african outfit this is like bright orange so when i stepped out on that stage i was like i i need to remember that everybody typically wears like toned down colors neutrals and stuff so literally like we're all standing in the light we have the you know you're wearing like black shirts there's some people wearing like some floral shirts please stop (laughs) jasmine has been giving me the hardest time over the last few years of how there's like a worship leader's uniform it really is Uh, no no, <laughs> you will not. And so anyway, but like, yeah, so everybody I remember was like pretty, pretty toned down. And here I am in my bright, not only is it bright colors, but it's very much African and you can't on miss June it season. on Juneteenth. And somebody asked me, they were like, oh, is that your Father's Day outfit? And I felt some type of way about it, but I wasn't ready to respond because what I was going to say was not going to, I was going to have to come back and apologize. Mm-hmm. So I just looked at her and I was like, no. And I walked away. <laughs> it was like, how dare you? No, no. This isn't for Father's Day. This is for Juneteenth, you know? Right. And so I would say, yeah, like for me, that is kind of like, I'm very much like, and as much as I'm very Americanized, I'm still very Zambian. Like that part of me hasn't changed. But now it's almost like trying to combine those two different ideas of who I am as a person. Because one thing, and I don't know if this is something you felt, but like one thing I've experienced in my life is I feel like there's been times where, like living here, where I'm not American enough on like some things. Then I go to Zambia, I'm very Americanized. I'm not Zambian enough. So it's like, okay, where do I fit in? You know, and it's just trying to figure out like, I don't have time to be concerned with all that. I'm going to create my own space. So if that's this Zambian American person that wears her, her, you know, Chitanga outfits every so often, whatever, like, I'm not really concerned with what my surrounding is because this is who I am as a person. Take it or leave it, that's your business, not mine. You know, and so that's that's kind of my thing on that, which is why I'm sure, I feel like I've probably worn that same really loud African thing on the podcast. But if I haven't, better believe the next episode I'm going to have it on. <laughs> Here for it. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, wasn't that I wasn't proud of my African um, culture, is that I was lost. I feel like I was a missing piece because I didn't speak the language. I All I knew was my proper English. Right. So a lot of times people will talk in um, family gathering, not to understand, but I just couldn't have a conversation. So you know how they always say you can be in a huge crowd and be that one person that's the missing piece? Um, I felt like that for a long time, and now I'm in my 30s. Now I'm trying to, um, I wish we had more time, but uh, so my mom is Burundi, my dad is Congo, and then my daughter's dad is Nigerian. Mm-hmm. So um, now I'm just trying to figure out, okay, I've always had a proper English. I don't know my native language. I went to a school in Virginia where it's very Confederate and a lot of stuff there. And that in itself, um, it took me a while to even realize that I was, because they call me the Oreo girl, because mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. On the outside, but white inside. Yeah, got it too. But there was a moment when I was in Virginia, um, and we were playing. We were spring break, uh, Virginia Beach, playing basketball with my friends, and somebody said, "Princess, you do not turn around." I'm like, "Why not? Do not turn around." There was a truck in the back, and they were swinging the Confederate flag. Wow. And I was like, "Why are they doing that?" And that was the moment I was like, "Princess, here, it's it's you. Yeah, it's you." And um, and I still remember that till now. And um, now that I'm trying to relearn myself, um, 
And I'm still proud of that. I just feel like, okay, creating my own space. Yeah. Not for myself and also for my daughter. Mm -hmm. So um, it's okay if I don't speak the language. I can, yeah. I can learn now to the best of my abilities. Because yep. um, I think we try to cram so much in, in, one, in one time. So um, I'm proud of it. I'm just trying to figure out where is Princess yet. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people always thought of, you know, the whole Oreo thing of like a compliment. And I'm like, but it's not. Like, basically, you're telling me almost like I'm not black enough to be considered black. So I must be an Oreo because I got a little bit of both going on. But it's like, no, like, but that's not who I am, you know? Mm -hmm. But yes, it's definitely all about finding your own space. And if it's not, they're creating your own space. Because life's too short to be yeah. getting crammed into these boxes that people try to stick us in that we don't belong in. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I got the Oreo thing too and sometimes forgot. Like with you telling that story, it reminds me, I feel like sometimes I forgot I was black. Yeah. You know, there's sometimes where I'm just like, oh, let me just jump in the pool. You can't do that, <laughs> you black, okay? <laughs> Mama already perfect here. Yesterday, you can't just jump in the pool. Or just, you know, just different things where going to a space where I was with Black people who grew up differently than I grew up. Yeah. And I start talking and wondering why they're looking at me like I'm this or that. And yeah. Like, well, that whole Oreo thing. Yep. I remember I even um, in middle school, I don't know if any of y'all watching from middle school remember this. There was a list that was made of all the mixed kids. I don't know who made the list. You made the list. list. No, I don't know who made the list. I'm saying there was a list. I no, I meant like you made the, like you were put on the list. I got put on the mixed kids. We're like, I'm not mixed. I'm like, I'm not mixed. I mean, I am, I'm light skinned. Right. Right? My mom is fair skinned. Um, her dad was fair skinned. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was, I was like, hold on, I'm not mixed. I felt some type of way. Yeah. Like, now I gotta come in here real hard, wear my Tupac shirt. Like, I'm, oh, no. I'm not mixed. Like, what's up, y'all? <laughs> Um, people get confused <laughs> when I talk on the phone and like when I show up to an interview and they yeah. just did, they're looking like, oh. like I'm, I'm here for the interview because mm -hmm. for a long time I went by my middle name in schools I show up at things and they're like Chelsea where's Chelsea and I'd be like here Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> my hands up <laughs> right the substitute's looking like Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I kind of dealt with some of that too. Is where I'm so immersed and forget that you know I am who I am. Yeah. I I, I speak proper English when I need to get what I need. I uh, switch to Ebonics when I need. When I need on that. You know what I mean? so, um, it's just part of our stories, part of our journeys. Yeah. Something that we shouldn't ever be ashamed of, embarrassed about. We are exactly who God made us to be, you know, mm -hmm. skin, whatever language we learn, um, wherever economic background we started from, or where we're going. We are where we're supposed to be. Yeah. So. Cool, cool. Um, are there anything, uh, real quick to wrap up, are there any um, spiritual aspects that have played a huge role in uh, who you are? Is, is Burundi or Congo Christian? Um, or what is the religion there? Um, how has that shaped who you are today? If maybe they're not Christian countries, but you were raised here, you went to church here. Um, 
start a venture here. Has any of your African roots, spiritually wise, uh, made an impact on who you are now? So um, my mom grew up Catholic. Uh, my dad's um, side um, was Muslim, so they practiced um, polygamy, etc. Um, so I became a Christian when I was in high school. Um, so we didn't really go to church when I was young. Um, I saw different, because I'm from different countries, I'm always like just learning, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I was never, I was blessed that I wasn't forced into a religion. I got to choose my own. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm blessed in that aspect. Some countries you're forced from, from literal on. Mm -hmm. um, so thankfully my uh, uncle, um, so it's my mom and uncle who are here and everybody else is back home in Africa right now. He's the one who introduced us to Filter, which I go to um, in Texas, um, and kind of work my way on with the way God has um, really uh, redeemed me inside and out, and still is as a Christian. So, um, again, different backgrounds, different religions, but I got a choice. So that was a blessing. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. I didn't know that much of your parents um, being from two different religions. But then you ended up whole different. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. I guess to kind of wrap it up, do you have any closing thoughts, words of encouragement, or anything for the people before we leave? Um, just, again, create your own space. Uh, this is all about encouraging and educating. Because yeah. Just because you don't know doesn't mean it's too late not to know. So just be who you are. Um, don't let society put you in that bracket um, and create your own space. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think that was a good point you made of um, it's never too late to learn. You know, I always say I prefer for someone to ask me questions, even if they feel like it's a stupid question. I prefer you ask me. That way you have an opportunity to be able to learn something rather than make an assumption. And that is like what you have in mind. So that's solid. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Yes. We're this has been bring you so back. If you... If you have anything else that you want to talk about, we want to bring you back on. Um, again, this is just this is just our conversation, but we have so many people listening that can relate yeah. to which exactly what you were talking about. Maybe they're just struggling with their own identity. So, um, so this is huge. And I know there's y'all. There's a whole lot more about Princessia other than you know her African culture, but just how intelligent she is and some of her entrepreneurship and goals and dreams that we're going to have to have her back on the podcast. So. Yeah. Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. For sure. This was fun. Yes, it was. yes, it was. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone so much for joining in for another episode and we look forward to catching you on the next one. Bye.